Welcome uh, to the Vine Community Church. My name is Brandon Scott. I'm the pastor here, and we're going to be finishing up the exposition of the book of Ephesians. So um, we get the great privilege of preaching verse by verse through books of the Bible, and um, it takes a long time. I think if my math is right, I think this is uh, Sermon 45 from this book, and so um, if you're really, really bored, you can go back and spend uh, an entire work week listening through all those sermons. Uh, I would not necessarily recommend that, but you can if you would like to. And we're going to be going through a, well, it's called a salutation, which is the opening or the closing of the letter. And a lot of these times, a lot of times you use something that Trev mentioned earlier, earlier that we'll often glance over, gloss over, or read over, and not dig into a lot. But it is part of the inspired Word of God, and there is something in there that He wants to teach us. And as with most things in the Bible, if we will spend the time to think about it, dig into it, ask some questions, then we'll realize that there's a whole lot more there than we thought. And that's probably true for a whole bunch of other things in life, but that would be a whole other sermon entirely. So we're going to finish this, and then we're going to have a week or two of looking back and seeing what God has taught us through this book of Ephesians. Then we're going to roll into stewardship and Advent. As soon as we know it, it'll be Christmas and the end of the year and done. So, um, crazy. Today's October 1st. Can you believe that? Done with September. Here we go. I've heard that cool weather is coming, but uh, so they say that a bunch. And this state sometimes makes me sad. So um, Jenny calls September a dirty liar because it's supposed to be, you think it's getting cooler and it's not. It just stays hot. And so um, we're almost done though. And uh, someone told me that that hoodie weather is, is on the way. So all right, let's pray before we dive into these last four verses of the book of Ephesians. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the great wonder of, of being part of the body of Christ, of gathering together on a Sunday to worship our Redeemer, our Creator, our God, that we can sing the songs of redemption that you gave your life on a cross for us and that we can experience and, and, and walk out a new life that you have given us, that it is not just some sort of theory, that it's the reality of the life of Christ and the life of a believer. And so we're so grateful for being part of the body. We're grateful for uh, this book of Ephesians. It's been a great joy and a great challenge to, uh, to teach through and experience and learn from um, what you inspired Paul to write so many years ago. So we give you just thanks for that. Give you thanks that we have the Bible in our language, that we can read it. Um, we have it in different versions, and there are people in the world who do not yet have the Word of God translated into their heart language. We pray for those folks who are doing that that you would empower and encourage them and help the church carry out that great mission to give every uh, heart language in the world the Bible in their language. Um, we're just grateful to you today for how much you love us, for how good you are to us. We do not deserve your goodness, and uh, we just receive your mercy as we've sung about. You just lavish us with it. You give us mercy for the day just enough for what we need, like manna in the wilderness. You always provide what we need for that day, that we do not have to borrow against tomorrow's mercy to make it through today, that what you give us is always enough. So we rest in you this morning. I uh, don't know what you're bringing in here as you listen to me pray and get ready, but I know that you've probably had a week with a lot of ups and downs in it. So just we're taking a moment to ask the Lord to teach you as we pray every week. Um, just take a moment to lay your heart before the Lord. Ask him to teach you, to reveal things to you from his word, and to help you to walk in righteousness this week. 
Let's take a moment and pray for the Lord to help you do that. And as we pray every week, pray for someone beside you, someone outside of yourself. One of the people who pray for other people who intercede. Pray for someone who is here, who you just met, who's not even here, but you know is needing encouragement. Pray that the Lord would teach them today, teach them how to walk with him, teach them how much he loves them, how much his grace carries them through the day. Lord, we bring ourselves to you as we are, and we rest in the grace of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for that. Thank you for this book, and thank you for this time you've given us. Please teach us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so here go Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21 through 24. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. So quick note on uh, the first name there, Tychicus. Um, his name means uh, uh, fortune or chance. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. So I've always pronounced it Tychicus. And I decided to look this week. I was like, I wonder if I'm saying that right. And so I even have a, have a little book that's called uh, um, So You Say or That's How You Say It or something. It's like how to pronounce words in the Bible. It comes in very handy. And that's one of the best books I got while I was in seminary. So Tychicus um, can be pronounced Tychicus or apparently Tychicus. But then I went, I was looking at some other sermons, uh, some other, uh, by the way, uh, preachers steal from other preachers all the time. Just a little like, pro tip. Um, like, as way better preachers than we are. So, like, if you can, if I could just say something that Alistair Begg said or whatever, that's better. But I would go and I look back at these other preachers, and they, it rained, it went all over the place, all over the road. Some said Tychicus, some said Tychicus, some said Tychicus, some said Tychicus, some gave the accent on the wrong, it was like Tychicus, some said Tychicus, some said Tychicus, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. And the way it pronounces in Greek is not even like that at all. So, the main rule when you're reading the Bible is you pick a pronunciation, you say it with confidence, and you say it the same way. So, Tychicus is what it's going to be. So, today we're going to say the word Tychicus a whole bunch, and if you don't like the way I pronounce it, apparently you can say it another way. But I'm going to say Tychicus, and when I talk about him, the guy that I'm talking about is a character that we see show up in Acts chapter 20. And uh, he is apparently, if I just say he's from Asia... Not from Asia, like we think of as Asia, but Asia was a, a province in, in the Roman Empire. We call it Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey, and Ephesus was part of that region. So he's kind of from the same neck of the woods that the Ephesians are from, and he went around with, uh, with Paul and was in this group of, of disciples that went around as Paul's missionary journeys. And we get to learn a little bit about Tychicus here. A lot of times in the salutations of some of Paul's letters, we get these little bitty uh, gems, these little bitty uh, bits of information about somebody. And so about this guy, Tychicus, he says, he calls him Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord. So 
You know, when you write a letter to somebody, you might say like, dear Brandon, so-and-so, and so-and-so, or my dearest Brandon, or whatever. And we, those little salutations, we often just read or write, and we read over and don't really grasp some of those things. But he could have just said, Tychicus is coming, and he'll tell you everything. And that would have been fine, right? We would have gotten the point across. He was the guy who was carrying this letter, this scroll. So he, he's, uh, you know, they couldn't just like mail it, and he would, someone would carry it. So Paul's sitting in Rome, he writes this letter, and he's probably carrying the letter to the church, the Colossians as well. And so Tychicus has this letter, and he's carrying it to the Ephesians. And as they get into this letter, he's like, by the way, he'll tell you everything that you need to know. But he says, the dear brother, and that your, your translation may say uh, beloved brother, the um, the word is uh, agapetos, which means like the, the love of God, the one who is beloved. And then he says, brother, the dear brother. So not only is he dear to him, but he considers him his brother. But notice the, the phrase there, and servant in the Lord. He is his brother in Christ. And so we talk about this all the time. You can hear me call it brother Daniel or whatever. And we talk each other talk to each other about being brothers and sisters in Christ, and we sort of glance over those things. There's a deep importance and meaning to all that. They share the same Heavenly Father. He's a child of light with Tychicus, and there's this great uh, familial relationship that he is his beloved brother in the Lord. It's pretty cool, right? And it says he's his faithful servant in the Lord. So this word for faithful really means like, uh, it, I mean, it can mean obviously that you're, you're faithful to uh, the teachings or, or who God reveals himself to be. But here it mostly means reliable. He does what he says he's going to do. Now, which is smart of Paul. You wouldn't want to give like the guy who loses stuff Ephesians. And then you write this letter and Tychicus, you know, sees him like two months later when the winter's over and he comes back and he's like, oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> I left that in Troas or whatever and I don't know what happened. You know, uh, it was there in a minute. I think I left a cloak. I don't know. It's gone. He is a faithful or reliable servant of the Lord. So we don't know a whole lot about this guy. We know he's from Asia. We know that the Apostle Paul considers him a beloved brother in the Lord. And when he looks at Tychicus, he says, you are a faithful servant in the Lord. And it's like, I don't think that Tychicus had any idea that 2,000 years later, that a group of people halfway across the world would be gathering on a Sunday morning to go verse by verse, word by word, through the letter that he carried from Rome, got on a boat, went across the Mediterranean Sea, got out, walked on foot to Ephesians, that he just carried this letter in a satchel. He's not thinking, oh man, I wonder what, I, I think he's just doing what he's supposed to do. And yet there is no way to measure how God uses our simple acts of faithful service. Because Tychicus was a faithful servant of the Lord, we have the book of Ephesians today. It's amazing how the Lord threads all these things together and works them out for good. Who knows what all kinds of things he had to endure just to get the letter there, but they got it. And he preserved his servant in the work of the gospel and here we have this letter today. I mean, how many people, how many marriages have been saved by reading and, uh, and applying chapter 5? How many uh, people have been saved by reading chapter 2? How many Christians have been encouraged by understanding their identity in chapter 1? And all the great gifts that Ephesians gives us, all because Tychicus was a faithful, reliable, dependent servant in the Lord. And Paul sent him, he took it, and he did his job. It's remarkable. It also says uh, why he's sending Tychicus. He says, so that, one of the favorite phrases in the Bible, because it tells you what's going to happen. Why is he doing it? 
so that you also may, one, know how I am and know what I am doing. And then he kind of refrains that again in 22. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose. I, Paul, am sending him to you so that you may know how we are and that he may encourage. So there's three things he's doing there. One, that he may know how I am and what I'm doing. Nothing has changed in, in, in all of human history. If there's someone that you know and you get meet someone that they know that you haven't had a chance to talk to, what's the first thing you say? How are they doing? Well, tell me, what are they up to? Like, if you haven't seen a friend in a long time, you give me a come, and you're like, oh my gosh, how, how have you been? What, tell me what's going on in your life. Tychicus is bringing this news to the Ephesians about Paul. I mean, they didn't have Instagram, didn't have all these ways to communicate. And so it took a long time for communication to come. They had to wait for a letter or for someone who knew them to show up. That was the only way that information got back and forth. And so he's sending Tychicus to them because they want to know how he is, because they have a relationship with him, because relationships are the basis of everything. They're the basis of the gospel. They're the basis of all gospel ministry. It's the basis of worship. It's the basis of life in the body. It's the basis of how we work and how we do family and life. And relationships are the the fabric through which all of these things flow. Some mixing metaphors there. But anyway, sediment. I was probably going on a rabbit trail there. Relationships are vital. And they had a relationship with Paul, and Tychicus is bringing that wonderful information to them. But he's also bringing that to them so that he could encourage them. The word for encourage is the word that means to come alongside someone uh, and um, uh, sometimes correct or but it, it, uh, teach them, train them in the way that they should be going. And so it's not like he's coming to like yell at them like a coach, like grab the face mask and yell at them, but coming alongside them, putting the arm around them and encouraging them in the way that they should go, to come alongside them. Why do you think that the Ephesians, or why do you think that Paul is sending Tychicus to the Ephesians to encourage them? Like why? Probably because they needed encouragement. It's not super complicated. You ask questions of the Bible, why would he send them to encourage them? Well, because maybe they were discouraged or their little encouragement bucket was uh, low. Well, guess what? Mine is too, and so is yours, and so is every single human that you'll ever encounter every day for the rest of your life. Everybody is low on encouragement. I've never, ever encouraged a person, and they were like, you know what, I'm gonna stop you mid-sentence there. I'm good. I don't really need this encouragement. I don't really want it. Please stop. I've never, maybe it will happen at some point. They're probably really bitter. I'm like, you know, you really need encouragement. Can we give me a hug? So they... No one's ever said that. Everybody's low on their encouragement bucket. Why? Because life, living on a fallen world, drains it out. Just waking up and like putting your socks on can discourage you, right? If your socks don't fit or you whatever, you're like, oh man, we all need encouragement. <laughs> yeah, right? You mean your feet don't fit or maybe you got a hole in your sock and you're like, oh, I got a hole in my sock. No, I don't got to buy new socks and that doesn't go in the budget. Whatever, you can go down a whole rabbit trail of discouragement before you even get out the door. So, all of us lack encouragement. I guess like Chubbs and maybe your feet are fat. So, but Paul was sending Tychicus from Rome to Ephesians, like halfway across the Roman world, to give them this letter, to tell them how he's doing, and to encourage them. It's remarkable, right? And this little phrase, Tychicus will tell you everything. Isn't that great? Because there's a lot of stuff in this letter that Paul's not going to write out about everything. But after they get done reading this letter, they all sat around, I guess, and they're like, tell us how Paul is doing. Just tell us everything. Tell me everything. And Tychicus could do that, could be the bearer of all of that good news 
teach them how to pray, tell them how to pray, and encourage them. It's really remarkable. Okay, so next last two verses here. Paul is giving, uh, once again, this kind of a salutation or a bit of a benediction to them. And he says, peace to the brothers. So uh, that word for, uh, for peace is the same word that he used when he's talking about the armor of God. We're uh, armed with the gospel of peace. And is, peace is not in the Bible. It's not a lack of or an absence of conflict. But it's this idea of a, it's the, the tranquil state of a soul that is assured of their salvation before God. And because of that, they fear nothing from God, and they are able to uh, live with great contentment in whatever their life has. It's remarkable. Peace. That through the gospel, through the work of Jesus Christ, the presence of Christ in our hearts, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, all the things, the ministry of the body of Christ, the word of God, and all the encouragement that we get, all this knowledge that we can have about who Christ is and who we are and what he's doing is that we can actually experience peace. It's amazing. And he's saying peace to the brothers, or brothers and sisters. It's not just exclusive to brothers. It's the brethren, those who are the, the family of God. And he wants them to have peace. And then he says, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're going to see these four words here, peace, love, faith, and grace, which are all huge, big Bible words. And love obviously means love and faith. But notice these aren't verbs here. He does not say, love more, love better, love harder, have more faith. He's saying, peace to you and love with faith. These are nouns. It is something that is being given to them. And who is the one giving it? God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Twice his title is in here, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the next verse, our Lord Jesus Christ. So the the, the source of the love and the faith that the Ephesians need is God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a little subtle uh, gl- glance here into the, the relationship that the Father and the Son have and the equality that they have in the Godhead. It's incredible. Love and faith come from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was not just some dude who said really great stuff. He is the God of all creation, the second member of the Trinity. And it is from him and from the Father that all the love and the faith that we have ever had comes. But it says the Lord Jesus Christ and our Lord Jesus Christ. It's this this title of his his sovereign lordship over us. Jesus is is the, the personal name that he was given. Christ is this title having to do with him as Messiah. It means the anointed one. And when we were in a on this trip to uh, the Holy Land in the spring, our guide, he was incredible. So he was a, he was a Syrian uh, Orthodox, excuse me, a Syrian Orthodox believer. It's like from Assyria, and his family had fled, and he had grown up and grew up in Bethlehem. Every time he said something about Jesus, which was a lot on a Holy Land trip, he would always say, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is where the Lord Jesus Christ did this. The Lord Jesus Christ walked into Capernaum. The Lord Jesus Christ walked on the water here. This is where the Lord Jesus Christ died every single time he said it, and I loved it. It was like this full, right, beautiful title for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not like like Jesus, like high-five Jesus, give me a fist bump Jesus. It is the Lord 
Jesus Christ. A lot going on up here, by the way. We got a, this is the Scott family. We're just, uh, we spill coffee and we clean it up and life goes on. So if you ever come over to our house or spend much time with us, I will tell you that you get, uh, you get unvarnished Scott family. So we do not, uh, we don't really shy away from who we are. We're just humans. So there we are. Just thought I'd talk about it because it's, uh, it's quite, a, quite a thing we got going on here. I feel like we've been making, I think maybe, maybe get some more paper towels or a roll. It may be helpful. Um, where were we? Love and faith, not verbs, grace. Let's move on to grace. So grace to all who what? Love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. The word, word undying there is, uh, it might be uh, incorruptible in your version or it might be uh, um, well, so the word is the same word that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 15, talking about that Jesus was raised to uh, an un- incorruptible life so that his, uh, the resurrected body of Jesus cannot be corrupted or cannot decay. It cannot die again. Uh, it also means like a, um, a perpetual, like forever and ever. So it's this idea of, it says, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with a, a, an undying or an incorruptible or uncorruptible or a, a perpetual love, a forever and ever love. So once again, he's not saying you need to make grace, or you need to create grace, or you need to love more. He's saying grace to you who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. It brings up an incredible question. I don't love the Lord Jesus with an undying love. Do you? I don't think I've been a single day of my life where my love for Jesus has not waned, has not been corrupted in some way. I don't love him with an incorruptible love. But Paul is saying grace to all who love him. So does that mean if I don't love him with an undying love that I don't have his grace? Remember back in Ephesians 2, he was talking about how it is that we go from being children of, of the, who are dead in our sins and transgressions that we were um, given over to the desires and thoughts of, of our sinful nature, and we were by nature objects of wrath. How do we go from there to being children of light? Well, verse 4 in chapter 2 says, But because of his rich or great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. We skip down to verse 8. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your Selves. Is he saying that the faith is not of ourselves or that the grace is not by or from ourselves or that the salvation is not from ourselves? Yes. Our salvation is not something that we can earn or produce or maintain. It is a gift of God that we receive by faith. The beautiful, incredible mystery that we receive the great gift of salvation through grace by faith. It's the conduit through which we receive his grace. The grace that God gives us is not something that humans can produce. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus with an undying love. Now, let me go back and say you've got this peace and this love and this faith and this grace. And a lot of times we want everything to kind of line up like on a little chart or in a spreadsheet for the Christian life. If I do this, this will happen. And it's the Christian life is not transactional like that. Just note, it's a little messy. Because I'm messy and we're messy. We don't do this thing well. God did not give us grace because 
He knew that we would do it all right. He gave us grace because he knows that we won't. So we have this idea of peace and of love and of faith and of grace. Well, the more that I love the Lord in response to what he has done, the more I comprehend who he is and the more I can receive the peace that he's given me. The more I experience the peace that he has given me, the more it increases my faith in who he is. The more my faith in who he is increases, the more that I love him in return. The more I experience the grace that he has given me, the more that I understand the grace that he has given me, the more I live out the peace that he has won. But you see, it's all this giant glob of life. It's not separate. Like you're like, well, it's like working out biceps or, or, or calf muscles. Okay, well, these are getting a little scrawny, so now I need, to, I need to work out my peace muscle. It's all connected. We walk with Jesus. And as we walk with Jesus, peace and love and faith and grace. Do those sound familiar? Those are fruit. That's the fruit of the Spirit in the life of a believer. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You and I cannot produce the things that are required for us to experience the life of Christ in us. He has to produce them and then produce them in us as we walk in surrendered dependence upon him as we abide in Christ. I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you abide in me and I in him, apart, uh, you will bear much fruit. What fruit do you bear? You bear the fruit of the Spirit as you walk in an abiding relationship with Jesus. So what is your responsibility? Abide in Christ. And what's that look like? We'll talk about it in just a second. But when he says to all who love our Lord Jesus with an undying love, if you've ever experienced uh, or, or um, as you have, a, well, we say this every Sunday, right? We want you to experience the risen Christ or have an encounter with him, want someone to be kind to you. As you encounter God, as you experience the life of God in your life, it is not just some cerebral activity that goes on. It's not like you're solving an algebra equation. You have a relationship with the living God. It's alive. And you are alive in Christ. It's a relational thing that happens. Have you ever, ever, ever said to the Lord Jesus and truly meant it that I love you? I think you have. If you've ever wanted to love the Lord Jesus, that means that you're redeemed. Because you can't want to love him if you're lost. And if you've ever wanted to love him, you have at some point wanted to love him with an undying love because that's how he loves you. And when we desire to do that, he heaps grace upon us so that we can keep doing it. Does that make sense? So what do we do with the end of this little salutation here at the end of a letter that Paul wrote? Um, I mean, praise the Lord for Tychicus, right? Thankful that he brought this letter to him. And I think if we look at, we look at him and we look at this idea of encouragement, and we look at this idea of grace, a couple of things kind of come out of, of this passage. It would be good for us to model Tychicus, right? He is responsible and reliable, and that's not super spiritual to say, hey, let's be responsible people. <laughs> but wouldn't it be cool if like the world says, I don't know about those Christians that think they're nuts, but man, are they reliable. If I tell a Christian to do something, man, it gets done. That would be a good thing. Why? Well, because God is reliable, and we should be like him. He does what he says he's going to do. Jesus said, like, let your yes be yes and your no be no. We should strive to be reliable 
responsible people. Not because we have to earn God's love by being responsible. Do you see the difference? But because God loves me, I can grow in responsibility. It changes how I do my work and my job. It changes how when I tell something someone that I'm going to do it, that I want to then go and do it. Why? Because that is who I am. Because I'm a dear brother and I want to be a faithful servant. Now, are you going to do that perfectly? No. That's why we have grace. You won't do it well. However, great glory gets expressed in the faithful service of God's saints. It doesn't have to be flashy. Tychicus walking across um, Asia Minor with a letter in his satchel, no one even probably noticed him. He didn't make the news. He wasn't an influencer. He was just a guy doing what he was supposed to do. And because of that, look at all that has happened. Because of the, the consistent application of ordinary faithfulness, worlds get changed. So seek to consistently apply the faithfulness that the Lord has put in front of you. Just ask, what do you want me to do today, Lord? How did I mess up yesterday? What do you want me to do today? And then walk in that thing. Second, being a faithful servant. You know, it all ties into that. But it, the reality is that every moment of every day is an opportunity for you to serve someone else for the glory of God. That may be uh, your wife. It may be changing somebody's diaper. It may be letting somebody go in front of you in line. I don't know. Here's what you can do. You can wake up in the morning and you can say, Lord, how can I serve today? You modeled servanthood to me. Now help me live it out to other people. The Lord Jesus Christ did not come to be served but to serve. The Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, says Philippians 2. And he gives us this beautiful picture of a servant who set aside all the things that he was entitled to and died on a cross for our sin. So to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, how can I serve today? Who can I serve? And how do you want me to serve them? Spouse, children, neighbor, your boss, your coworker, the person who is mean to you on the phone. How can you serve them? Just ask the question and then wait and see what the Lord does. And finally, with regards to Tychicus, I want you to remember that you are dearly loved. Remember this from Ephesians. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. You are dearly loved. God loves you. And I love you. Do I love you very well? No, I do not. But you are beloved to me. Because you are beloved to Jesus, and I love him. And so the best expression that I can give of my love for him is to love those he loves. So do not let the world trick you into forgetting that you are loved. You are a beloved brother or you are a beloved sister in Jesus. If to no one else you are to me, and you can look to your left and to your right and to your behind you and in front of you, 
And those, those people, they are your beloved brothers. And they are your beloved sisters. And this is this beautiful thing we get to have in the body of Christ, in the family of God, that the world does not understand. But as we love each other really well, they will be able to comprehend that the Father sent the Son to die for them. So do not forget that you are dearly loved. Okay, encourage people intentionally. Encourage intentionally. It took a lot of work for Tychicus to go from Rome to Ephesus. It's a long way. He had to either ride a boat or walk. And it probably took him a long time. It cost him money, cost him time, cost him like life, cost him hours. It was very intentional. I am sending him to you for this very purpose. Paul was not like, hey, uh, let's go on a road trip. No, I wrote a letter. I'm giving it to you, Tychicus. Now go and encourage him. Encouragement needs to be intentional. And it can be as simple as saying, when you wake up in the morning, say, how can I serve? The next question, Lord, is now, who can I encourage? Who can I encourage today? On uh, Friday morning, uh, early, because then they're trying to have a quiet time. It wasn't, you know, doesn't always work really well. And so, um, by the way, do not beat yourself down if you have a faulting quiet time. Like, Jesus loves you, okay? Like, mine normally looks like if I can wake up and get 10 minutes of sort of quiet before everything explodes on a school morning and I can read a psalm and ask, say, Lord Jesus, please help me. That's good. Like that consistently is okay. You don't have to read 11 chapters in Leviticus and write out a, a chart to have a quiet time. If you want to do that, like go for it. Like, I mean, dig into it. That's great. Um, and there's a season in your life where you can do that. If you can, like read it. Read an entire book of the Bible every morning. I, that would be great. But sometimes five minutes is all you get. Sometimes two minutes is all you get. Sometimes 60 seconds is all you get, and then everything falls apart. Well, I'm sitting there on Friday morning, and uh, a guy in our life group just sends me a quick little text, and it was just uh, Psalm 150, verse 6, which I'm going to read to you really quick. He sent me one little psalm. I didn't have any commentary or anything on it. And where's some? Take me a long time to get there. Here we go. Psalm 150, verse 6 says, the last verse in the Psalms, by the way. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Otherwise known as hallelujah. That's all he sent me. He was like, boom. Let everything that has breath the Lord praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I just thought, well, I'm sitting there discouraged because the thing wasn't working. And I just texted back, I have breath. Hallelujah. And then he just sent me a little encouraging, like, like 12 words. It's a little bit of encouragement, and it changed the whole trajectory of my day, starting at like 6.45 in the morning on Friday. Changed the whole day because someone was doing something, and they thought, I'm going to encourage this person. And it changed my whole day. Do you know that you have the power to change the trajectory of people's lives that you encounter? The lady at the grocery store who you're checking out to, ask her about her tattoos. Be like, hey, I like a tattoo. Tell me about it. You know, the guy that's at the, you have the power to change the trajectory of people's lives through encouragement. It is incredibly powerful. So do it. Encourage intentionally. Ask the Lord, who should I encourage? And then as he brings people to your mind or brings people in your path, encourage him. It doesn't have to be weird or it doesn't have to be awkward or even perfect, of course. You can just, you can even ask him, hey, how can I encourage you today? Even just someone asking you that is encouraging, right? I'm like, gosh, I guess, I don't know, maybe who, thinking about little old me or whatever. You know, it's just, yeah, just figure out a way to encourage somebody. 
Use some words. Use a kind gesture. There's lots of ways to encourage and do it intentionally. Finally, I just want to end on this uh, phrase from some saint whose name I can't remember. Uh, all is grace. This is, the reason we call this thing the gospel of grace is because all is grace. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus with an undying love. God, as I mentioned earlier, has not given you grace because he wants you to be awesome. He's given us grace because he knows that we need it. And he hasn't given us grace because he expects us to be perfect. He's given us grace because he knows that we aren't. And he's using his grace to make us into the image of his son. He gives us grace to make us perfect by his grace. And he gives it to us. All we have to do is receive it and run with it. You cannot produce it. Everything is grace. Your salvation is grace. Walking by Jesus every day is grace. Your relationship with other people, it's all grace. It's all grace. It's all grace. And victory in Jesus is this. Victory is coming back. That's it. Victory is coming back to Jesus. Victory is repent and return. That's victory. We want to sing these giant victory songs about I have victory in Jesus. And yes, he gives us a victory over spiritual battles. He gives us victory from sin and addiction and all these things. But on a day-to-day -day basis, victory is coming back. When you screw up, all is grace. Wives, when you yell at your husband, all is grace. Come back to Jesus. Repent. Return to him. And walk forward in grace. Husbands, when... Uh, your wife asks you to do this honeydew list and you look at it and you just choose to ignore it because you're mad at her. You're like, how dare she tell me to do these things? First off, get over yourself. Second off, do what's on the list. Third, all is grace. Repent and return to Jesus and serve your wife. As you're sitting at your job and uh, your boss comes in and yells at you and squashes your heart and you feel like you're gutter garbage, all is grace. Remember that you're beloved and remember that you can return to Jesus. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my oath upon me and learn from me, for I am humble and gentle in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. All is grace. As you seek to encourage, as you seek to be a faithful servant, as you seek to remember that you are a beloved child of God, as you seek to uh, grow in, in your... Um, responsibility or your reliability as a human, all is grace. That means you need to receive it for yourself. Lord, you need to show it to other people. Show the guy grace that's yelling at you. Show the guy grace that flips you the bird as he cuts you off on the highway. Okay? Show the guy grace who votes differently than you and thinks that you're an insane conspiracy theorist. Show the guy grace on social media. Show them grace when they make fun of you because your football team loses. Just Show your neighbor grace when he yells at you because you're part of the fence, fell on his side of the fence, and he thinks that you're a terrible human. Show your person grace when their dog gets out and you have to come help them find them. All this grace and walk as the people of it. So, as we end this letter of the book of Ephesians, it's pretty cool. All the stuff that we can pull out of four verses that we would otherwise just kind of glance over. And I want to just remind you, the whole Bible is like this. It is an infinite 
mine of glory and wonder because it's the word of God. And because it's his word, we can never plumb the depths of it. You can return to this book a hundred, two hundred, a thousand times and never find it the same. So keep going back. I'm going to constantly encourage you, spend time in the word, spend thoughtful time in the word. And um, remember that all is grace. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and thank you for your great grace for us. Thank you for our brother Tychicus, that we get to see him one day, and I'm going to ask him how to pronounce his name, and he'll probably tell me something that I've been singing all wrong all along. But what a great example for us of a relatively unknown person in the Bible whose faithful service to you had incalculable impact. How many people have been transformed because of the truth that is in this book? And we're sitting here 2,000 years later studying it and our lives were being transformed because he brought a letter and a bag to the Ephesians. Thank you for him. Help us, Lord Jesus, to walk in reliable, consistent, simple obedience to you. Help us to embrace the small things in life, Lord Jesus, that look like they don't matter. But as we walk in faith, that they add up to a life of faithful service. Lord, would you... As you encourage our hearts with your spirit, would you create in us and make this church a culture of encouragement that people would come here on Sunday or go to a life group or go to coffee and that we would always walk away encouraged when we interact with one another. And if we don't, Lord, would you help us to repent and return to you and remember that all is grace. I pray that you would make this church a a sea of grace a, a, an atmosphere of grace where we love each other well because you have loved us first and where we seek to um, not only live grace out, but to give grace to one another freely and lavish it upon one another. Um, may this be true in our church. And we pray all these things in the risen and exalted name of Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand as we sing this final song together. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you for refuge to Jesus has not I am with thee, O be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand upheld by my righteous omnipotent my soul on Jesus, I lean for repose. I will not, will not desert to his foes. My soul, oh, else should endeavor to shake. I'll never, never, no, never forsake.
sanctified to be thy deepest distress. My soul on Jesus I lean for repose. I will not, will not desert to his foes. My soul, oh hell, should endeavor to shake. I'll never, never, no, never forsake. trials thy pathway shall lie my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply the flame shall not hurt thee i only design thy dross to consume and i go to refine my soul on jesus i lean for Hallelujah. That's a good send-out song right there. It's like a victory song. So there goes the book of Ephesians. We'll have a couple weeks of uh, looking back at what the Lord has taught us, but here it is now. I'm going to say it like we say it every week, and we really mean it, and want you to go out and live it, but go in peace.